maybe you could blame all five guys on the ice for that. It, you know, it's the pressure of. I still don't understand where guys were going on that play. We had pl- time, time, and and that's that's why you got to you know that's details, details and details. That's why we keep hammering these guys. 7.02 on a Wednesday. Happy Wednesday, everybody. Halford and Bruff, Sportsnet 650. Halford and Bruff of the Morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. We are in Hour 2 of the program. Hour 2 is brought to you by North Star Metal Recycling. Vancouver's premium metal recycler pays the highest prices on scrap metal. North Star Metal Recycling, they recycle, you get paid. We are coming to you live from the Kintech studio, Kintech Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, supported by over 2,500 five-star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit, Kintech.net. Keep that music in the rotation. That got me going. Fired up for hour two. I like the early 2000s spy thriller intro music? Yeah. sort of. It reminded me of like Born Supremacy or something like that, or got that vibe going. So, yeah, similar stakes on the line here at the Halford & Bruff Show as we talk about the local hockey team. So there's a few, a uh, lot of texts actually into the Dunbar Lumber text line, and we're going to talk about some uh, different players on the Canucks uh, because people are texting and complaining about <laughs> a number of different ones. So many. Um, so let's many start guys. with uh, Elias Pettersson. Leaf texts in, is it the raised expectations from an excellent start that is affecting EP40's play? Um, Sam from Van texts in, saying, I have seen enough Pedersen in his career to be extremely concerned about the contract he's asking for. Curious to see how this regime deals with this, given his tendency to disappear five-on-five for long stretches. Something's up with Pedersen right now. I don't know if it's injuries or confidence or both. Um, He's not playing at a super low level. You know, I don't think you look at the analytics and and you you certainly don't look at his point. Like he got two assists last night, right? He's he had okay. So like, so, but hold on a sec. But like the eye test, everyone's uh, either everyone's eyes in Vancouver are broken or, um, you know, whatever. Because like we're, we're everyone seems to be noticing the same thing that Pedersen just doesn't seem to be as dynamic. As involved, he doesn't seem to be, like the coach says, demanding the puck in certain situations. He is, a lot of the time, just kind of out there. Well, I think at this stage of the game, we have to maybe come to the realization that he might be a a light switch guy, a flip the switch guy, that he's not going to, he's just not that guy. He's not going to be the guy that consistently looks and is, quote unquote, engaged. But the problem with it is, is that in November, which everyone's like, he didn't play great in November. Uh, they didn't match the eye test. It didn't look as dynamic. And I agree 100%. He had 14 points in 15 games in November. And in two games in, three, uh, two games in December, he's got three points. So the production's there. And it's going to be hard to... It's going to be hard to stack a case against him in a negotiation if he finishes. It's going to be a very, very difficult negotiation. Because the numbers if, if, are there. The, yeah, yeah. You know? I, <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. The numbers are there. Mm-hmm. He's and still that, among the NHL's leading scorers. If you're going to point to November as like, ooh, Petey looked off, I think Petey and his camp are going to be like, but here's almost a point of game performance. Mm-hmm. What does that say about the But player? do you agree Even with me? He does. He looks. I just said I yeah, did. Yeah. But I don't, I mean, at the end of the day, especially last night, folks, if you're looking at culprits, Pedersen's not one of them. If we're doing the immediacy of a 6-5 loss to New Jersey, Pedersen's way down that list, mm-hmm. right? And I want to discuss the Tyler Myers dynamic. <laughs> 
because now we've gone past the point of identifying, you know, the peaks and valleys of chaos on a nightly basis with them. And a lot of people, I think, justifiably are asking, how does Talkit openly call out or single out an individual, <clears throat> Kuzmenko, and not do the same for other individuals who are making egregious mistakes on the ice? Fair question. Maybe a bit naive in asking it. I think we all know why, right? Some rules apply to certain players that don't apply to other players. And some things you can say to certain players or do to certain players that you can't to other players. Taki can't. Any of the things people Why are can't you do it to Tyler Myers? Can't. Why? Doesn't Why have the options. Why not? Are you going to play Mark Friedman 20 minutes a night? I mean, it, I think it got to the... you sit Tyler I, Myers I, for yeah, three I, shifts in the third period? I, we had this conversation last year, though, with Boudreaux when he, when they got scratched Myers. Like, why haven't, yeah. why, why haven't they scratched him? Like, why do you think they haven't? You know, they can't do it. He's not He's not. I think they guy. can. I no, think they can. I, I disagree with that. Okay. 100% okay, here, here's another question for his follow-up. Do you think they're going to do it? Probably not. There you go. I mean, it's great if you can think about whatever you want them to do, but the reality is they're probably not going to. Mm-hmm. I'm with you on that. I, he makes a lot of mistakes. Bad ones. Big, egregious ones that I, sometimes end up in the back of the net. But I don't think anyone's going to hold him to account. I don't think you're going to see Tyler Myers demoted or dropped or in the press box anytime soon. I think he's going to be rolled back out there. A variety of reasons why. He's a veteran guy. He's in the last year of a contract. They don't have a great defense. They have to play him. Mm-hmm. They painted themselves he plays a lot corner. of minutes. Like I, I, I feel That's part for, of the problem though. I feel yeah. plays yeah. too many minutes. Yeah, you should be yeah. playing half as many minutes. Well, because they don't have a top four defenseman on the right side. Yeah. Besides Horonic, I got one. Yeah, like you, right. Tyler Myers is a big part of this defense. It, physically, biggest part of it, and in terms of his minutes, he plays a lot. Mm-hmm. Talking probably privately is like this guy's killing us here sometimes. But he's not going to say it publicly. He can say it about Kuzmenko because it's, Kuzmenko. All due respect, the guy is easily replaceable. Huglander took his spot last night and looked great. They put Sam Lafferty in there on occasion. He looks great, right? They've got an extra forward sitting there. We already talked about I how also easy wonder, it would be to drop Kuzmenko out of the lineup. I also wonder game. if there are things that Kuzmenko is doing that are easily fixable. If Kuzmenko's kind of saw eye to eye with talking on certain things, like shift length is an easy thing to fix, right? Mm-hmm. Like one of the things, or forechecking, right? It's an easy thing to fix. Just do it. Just do it, but when you're but hold on a sec. Yeah, but when you're talking about a guy that like Tyler Myers, is he doing things that Talkit is repeatedly saying like you got to do this, you got to do this? The thing is like like Myers is trying. Yeah, <laughs> do you know what I mean? But he just makes these loud, egregious mistakes, and oftentimes when the opponent scores. You know, people are like, what, what, what were we doing there, Tyler? Right? Yeah, I mean, I can't imagine talking. I just wonder if it's a little bit different. I don't think that's that that's the, that's the differentiator between the two, that Kuzmenko's doing things that, you know, you know you shouldn't do that, Kuzi. You, and I, like, the same thing would apply to Myers. Like, don't give the puck to the other team. That's one of our staples. <laughs> when we say play with structure, it means pass the puck to our guys and not their guys. Like Don't there's no give the puck. To yeah, he's writing it down. So, so this is the sense. this is the text that I'm talking Line about. Rims X. Yeah, like I get it. Someone texted in. Myers does the non-negotiables that Talkin wants. He just makes mistakes. That's kind of what I mean. He also does some negotiables though, like negotiating the puck to the other team. Right? There are certain plays that it's a, it's just not okay. And I know it gets hyper analyzed, and maybe contextually we take it. A bit too far because we just look at the turnover in a vacuum. We don't yeah. Look at what led up to it, but come on with some of these, and it's repeated. 
Mm-hmm. And it's been throughout the course. Losing his man in front of the net. That happens a lot. Right? He was actively hurting his team last night. Yeah. Consistently. Mm-hmm. Like, it wasn't like just one isolated incident. Like, it was all evening. Uh, someone just Well, like, have, have fun with uh, Juleson and Mark Friedman in your line. <laughs> well, exactly. Then, That's right? the like, other thing. It's like, well, hey. Do you want to go? Do you want to go to the other side on this one? Do you want? Friedman's been solid. I I understand what you're saying. He's not going to play 20 minutes tonight, but he's solid. What? He's been fine. Put him in Tyler Myers' position. Play him 22 minutes a night. It would be the same issue. Say, see, see how it works. I mean, I mean, I'm at the point where like, let's see it. (laughs) No, don't. Let's try it. You know, it's it's a tough situation right now. They really miss Carson Soucy, and they're a team. Again, I'm keep saying this, like. They need more top four defensemen. They've got how many de- top four defensemen? Does it, does everyone agree with me that they've got only got two legit guys, two legit top four guys? Where you're like, yeah, that that's a top four defenseman. Maybe they've got yeah. they've got they've got a great first pair and then two or three third pairs. Ian, Ian, Ian Cole, Cole can play Carson, confidently no, he, in the top four, I think. And not, not on a good team. Not recently. Not on a great well, team. Yeah, not recently. Not night, yeah. But that's the thing. Cole and Susie are. But great. overall, he's been good this year. Cole and Susie are great. Third pair guys I on think, a good team. Yes. I think Cole, oh, I agree 100%. I think, I think Cole's a good top four. Uh, Cole is a four, right? Yeah. But he needs a three to play with. Yes. The Canucks don't have a three. No. Mm-hmm. Does that but, make sense? Yes. Okay. Yeah. And then like, and then with Susie, I think the greatest example that I came up with last year, I was very proud of myself for this one. I was like, the Seattle Kraken were a playoff team. They were a 100-point team. They weren't a great team, but they were a good team. They made the playoffs, and they won a playoff round. And Susie was a third-pair guy for them. That's that's the bar. That's what the Canucks want to be is a hundred point team that makes the playoffs and wins around. And if they're going to do that, then you know Susie can't really be anything more than a third pair guy. But in Vancouver right now, when he's healthy, yeah, he's a top four guy. Um, a few more texts. Uh, this is unsigned. This front office gets a lot of praise and rightfully so. But the Mikheyev and Kuzmenko contracts aren't looking so good. Add those to the Garland contract, and you have twelve plus million of bad money. I disagree on the Mikheyev contract. I think Mikheyev's a good player. I think he's a valuable Get him player on the for, kill more. for the Vancouver Canucks. They might need to adjust what's going on in the penalty kill with, with the personnel. I don't know if JT Miller's the right guy to lead it off every time, but yeah, that's kind of that's details I don't really want to discuss right now. No, 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 that's fine. They but, they were discussing it on the, the post yesterday. Yeah, but lot. I think I think Mikheyev, I think he's a good player. I mean, I think that was a good signing. Kuzmenko right now, yeah, that is not looking like well allocated cap space. And Garland is Garland is Garland, right? You know, um that third line, if they had in Dakota Joshua scored last night. I, I I'm not the most the most concern I'm I'm at right now is is Kuzmenko because I think at least Garland has a spot on that third line and he does do some good things. His finishing is atrocious. And we've talked about that, but I think for the most part, he gets the puck going in the right direction, which is what I would say with Mikheyev, right? Mikheyev's finishing isn't great. It's better than Garland's, but he gets the puck going in the right direction, and he does some things well out there. Right now, now you're looking at Kuzmenko, and it's the old, you know, like, office line. Like, what would you say you do here? Because (laughs) if if you're not scoring goals... Uh, and if you're not, you know, setting up goals, then what are you doing? How can how can you be useful to this team? Uh, I have a question for you as it pertains to Kuzmenko. Well, you've been missing a lot of checks lately, Tyler. <laughs> I wouldn't say I've been missing them. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, have, I have a question for you, Jason. Okay. 
Uh, it involves a little role play. You have to be uh, Patrick Alvin. Okay. So we're running the I risk. Was of say, I was like, we're, do yeah. I need a costume for no, this? No, no, you just have to say nothing of value. Um, no. Go outside and prep for a second. So if you're Patrick Alvin and you're the guy that gave Andre Kuzmenko $11 million over this year and the next, so a $5.5 million cap it. You got to do the accent, by And the way. you've made him the fourth highest paid player on the team. How are you feeling about things right now? I'm feeling a little bit frustrated. For are sure. you frustrated with your coach or with the player? Uh, probably with the player, yeah. to be to be frank. Like, I mean, Patrick Alvin. You're not being uh, frank. Uh, you're unless, being Patrick. Unless, unless you're being um, disingenuous. Because... Um, Who, me? No, no, no. Oh, no, no, no. I was confused. Like, where no, are we no, going no. with if, this? Well, I'm playing the role. Oh. Um, because who's the guy that's been saying, we need a coach that holds players to account. We need a coach that installs structure. We need a coach that installs good habits. It's been Patrick Galvin and Jim Rutherford. Well, that's what Rick Tockett is doing right now. And it just happens to be that one of your crown jewels in your, or one of the, one of the feathers in your management cap is being held accountable yeah. right now for things that he's not doing that the coach doesn't like. I think Patrick Galvin, if, if like if look at how many times during a pre, uh, Patrick Galvin availability, he deflects credit from himself to the coaching staff. It is like, I don't know if it's almost like a PR tactic or it's just like a, a nervous habit that he has, but anything that comes up, he's like talk and footy and gaunch. Like they do they're, they're, they're they're doing they has full trust in them, mm-hmm. right? But it is one of these things where you're looking at it and going like, wow, this this accomplishment for this team where they not only found Kuzmenko but recruited him and had him, um, you know, signed to this uh, a great contract last year and he came in and he was a great success. Mm-hmm. He scored a ton of goals, mm-hmm. and then they re-signed him and now it is going wrong. And it is going wrong in a way that I didn't predict. Like, I thought there might be a few things like, oh, Kuzmenko's probably going to bother Rick Tockett, right? Now we're looking at the possibility, the possibility at least, of a third healthy scratch Thursday against the Minnesota Wild. Because you know where I'm going with this, right? Like, we've seen examples in professional sports, hockey specifically, where a coach has made a general manager signing look bad. And the general manager doesn't like that. And that's where divides happen. I don't think this is happening here. But right now, there's been no bigger narrative shift in the organization from positive to negative year over year than Andre Kuzmenko, great story, mm-hmm. to Andre Kuzmenko, problem. Adog has not been himself lately. No, even are you? How are you feeling about Kuzi? Just beside myself. Like, who are you blaming in this situation? Because there's a lot of people, oh, like Kuzmenko. I'm saying, like, well, there's a lot of people that are blaming Tockett. Right. They're, no. saying, they're like, he's not using him right. No, Kuzmenko's just not playing this Tockett system. He's got to... Got to forecheck more. Do you know? Uh, do you know one and of the check. all the you, checking? He's got to check more. You know how Tockett uh, always has that saying where he's like, "I'm a big this guy." Mm-hmm. He'll say like, "I'm a big reps guy at practice." Right? It's just a, it's just the way he talks. Right? Um, he, big Staples guy. He's yeah. like, "I'm a big Staples guy." Love Staples. Right? Um, he had one of those the other day when he said, um, "I like players that just go through other players." Mm-hmm. Right? And that's what, and he was talking about Zadorov. Right, the acquisition of Zadorov and how Zadorov, you know, he's like, uh, I'm not going to go around you. I'm going to go through you. And runs, that's the type of player over. that Rick Tockett was. That is 100% the type of player that Kuzmenko is not. And never will be. Yeah, that's but what I, I wonder. Think, yeah, right? yeah, like, that's what like, I wonder. That's what he's I wonder. Not that kind uh, of player. Are you ever going to get like, like, instead I don't think of, so. so, you know, a player that 
isn't the type of player that goes through someone, is a type of guy that's going to be reaching a lot, trying to poke the puck away, as opposed to just going through a player. The old right? poke and hope. Yeah, and, and a he lot of the times that make if his you miss- game better defensively, though. Like, there's still things he can do to improve. It's not like he doesn't have it in him. He's just not a physical type of player. He could still be smarter defensively. That could still be taught to him. He could still understand that style of the game. It's not like he's going to be just, forever useless the there. He just he's I don't not, know how, he I don't know how much yet. I don't know how much it has to he do with He hasn't figured it out yet. But but a dog, I don't really know how much of it has to do with actual smarts and positioning on the ice. I think a lot of it is just like there's the puck. You need to go get it. Can he I just have the drive? But I just need it? to put this out there. Like I've heard Tockett complain about uh, the, his he doesn't forecheck enough. Mm-hmm. It's been pointed out that he takes uh, his shifts are too long compared to the thirty five or forty seconds that Tockett wants. Last night Tockett said that he needs to shoot it more. So I'm talking. We're talking about three different facets alone that Tockett doesn't like with Kuzmenko, which leads me to believe that maybe you're not going to be able to fit him into your style of play because he totally doesn't fit. Yeah. You can change players, but the guy came in and scored 39 goals a year ago, kind of doing what he does. And I do think part of this is um, his Besser's resurgence has kind of knocked him down in terms of opportunities. He got knocked off PP1. He's being asked to do different things. And I also think that right now you're seeing a guy that is second-guessing almost everything he does on the ice. The lack of shooting is the big one for me, is that he's not playing on instinct and just ripping it. He's trying to make the perfect play yeah. or trying to make that extra pass. He's like, I am, I'm selfless player. Got like, to please the, the coach. Got to please the coach. Yeah, okay. that's right. So at the end of the day, my takeaway from it, it's a bad fit, plain and simple. And I do wonder if they're going to regret – Linking those two, because I think Kuzmenko's a good player, and I think Tockett's a good coach. I think it might be one of those cases where they just don't work together. I wonder if they can get any value out of it, though. What, what would right Kuzmenko's now. value be? Low. It's so it's so funny how how it changes like in a matter of six months. Like, what do you think Besser's value is right now? Like, let's go back to last season. Right, those two have it's flipped tra- entirely. Like, it's cra- it's, it is crazy, right? And Kuzmenko, you're the Besser now. You know, it's it's <laughs> yeah, right. You're like the Kuzmenko. Um, let's talk about the goalie. Um, Thatcher Demko, um, a lot of people texting him about Demko, wondering if he got hurt in the Calgary game. I don't know about that. Laddie seemed to think so. You think so, Laddie? What's going on? Like, how much would you? you how were much very are you concerned? Hey, it was in the here's a question. Right how? Uh, what are the odds that Casey DeSmith is playing on Thursday? I would I would put it at like minus one thousand. Casey DeSmith against <laughs> oh, yeah. the Minnesota. I, game. I, I thought for sure he was going to be out for some length of so time. So explain, was, because I, I, this completely went over my head. What did you see? And then you, because you reacted right away. Well, there was a moment in the game, I forget when it happened, not last game, but the game before, where yeah. he, he got up very slowly. The camera panned in on him. They had mentioned it on the broadcast that he yeah. looked a little ginger getting up. And it just, it, it looked like he tweaked something, making a move. And I just, mm-hmm. sometimes that happens, you know, goalies go through a lot of wear and tear throughout the year. So I thought for sure they would give him some breathing room, give him maybe a couple games to right. rest his legs a little bit, but they threw him right back in there and he didn't look right. Yeah, didn't, didn't look, look like a great first period. Yeah. Four goals on eight shots. And I know there were some breakdowns, and Quinn Hughes was going through all of them. He's like, we gave up a great A here. We gave up a great A here. But yeah, he, he was like, uh, first one, two on one. Second one, wide open in front of the net. Third one, again, with the wide open in front of the net. Fourth one, I believe there was a guy wide open in front of the net. Which reminded me so much of last year with yeah. Boudreaux hockey, right? It was just every – and – what compounded it was, and I hate putting it on the goalies, but like you didn't get a save on any of them. You got you stopped fifty percent of the shots. You you lose the right to kind of complain about your defense when you, you don't even make any of those <laughs> yeah, saves. Like, you got to make one at least a desperation save, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, but I'm with you. So on, we all agree with Casey you on Smith. So okay, so you should. Do you think Kuzmenko will be in the lineup on Thursday? No, 
You don't? No. I don't. Another healthy scratching? Sure, you may as well at this point. Go the full nine. You should scratch Myers and put in Friedman. Ooh. Just do it for I a wonder game. If no, just, no, that's never going <laughs> to. Yeah, that's worth just it. Just for a game. Just for a game. There's, I, there is a 0.0% chance of that happening. Come on. I'm no, not, not even going to get a 0.1. Hey, I'm with you. It's got to be a 0.1. No, Come it's on. just not going to happen, man. If it hasn't happened already, it's not going to happen now. Okay, but no, but to be fair, Myers, that is like, he hasn't had a game like that this year. That but, was like, okay, but last he's had some bad. No, 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 no. He's had he's, what are you, your mind? No, 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 no. He's had some bad. horrific games. He's had some bad games, but last night's game was so far worse than any other game. He's, and that's saying something because he's had probably 10 stinkers now. Yeah. Last night's game was like a bar below the other nine awful games. So I'm just saying, but if there you're going to scratch him. Now, 10 feet of crap. And then there was last night. Yeah, game. like it's another level. <laughs> last night was another level. He, has, he wasn't trending on Twitter Canada-wide. Up until last evening, like last night was the worst game he's had. So if there was a time to scratch him, it yeah. would be now. Even like the the misspelled M E Y E R S was trending oh, on Twitter. You know like, it's bad when even people misspell that. Yeah, you know it's bad when even the misspelled version of your name is trending. Oscar Meyer was catching strays. <laughs> yeah, Timo Meyer was like, "What did I do? I, I played okay, I think." Uh, uh, I didn't really notice him. So Craig Morgan is going to join us next from PHNX Sports. Uh, we're going to talk about the Arizona Coyotes who are just winning a whole bunch of games. And they might, they might have a new location for an arena. Um, the Canucks, I don't know when they play Arizona next. I, I don't can tell you real it, quick if you just hold well, on. Well, it it's not coming up real Thursday, soon. Thursday, January 18th. Yeah. So it's not like we're previewing a Canucks Coyotes game, but uh, I think a the Coyotes are an interesting story. And I want to know how they're doing this. Because this is a team that the way they're playing right now, they could be a wild card team. Heck, they could give if they keep if the Canucks keep playing like the way they're playing, five hundred hockey, and the Coyotes keep playing the way that they're playing, i.e., winning all their games. Didn't they just maybe, beat, didn't they just beat the last five Cup winners? Yeah, 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 sure. yeah, yeah, six yeah. technically because Tampa Bay won two. Cups. And I want to know how they're doing it. So Craig Morgan is going to join us next on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet six fifty. The most opinionated Canucks show out there. Canucks Talk with Jamie Dodd and Thomas Drans. Be sure to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And here's a chance. Bukestad, he's home free. Leads to Kerfoot. The Bukestad to Kerfoot. And that's the first shorty of the season. And it's 6-0. on a Wednesday. Happy Wednesday, everybody. Alfred Bruff, Sportsnet 650. Alfred Bruff of the Morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura Dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. We are in Hour 2 of the program. Craig Morgan from PHNX Sports is going to join us in just a moment here. Hour 2 of this program is brought to you by North Star Metal Recycling. Vancouver's premier metal recycler pays the highest prices on scrap metal. North Star Metal Recycling. They recycle, you get paid. Visit them at 1170 Powell Street in Vancouver. So, yes, as we pointed out in the earlier segment, the Canucks do not play the Arizona Coyotes until January 18th. This is not a six weeks in advance preview of that game. We need to pay attention to this team right now. One of the hottest teams in the NHL. They've just ripped off what has to be an unprecedented moment in NHL history, having beaten... Uh, all of the last six Stanley Cup winners in a row in succession. It's crazy. I don't know if this happens often with the scheduling, but the Arizona Coyotes have done it. Uh, they also might have a new arena. 
We'll see how that goes. Let's get Craig Morgan on the line now. He joins us from PHNX Sports here on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Morning, Craig. How are you? I'm great. How are you guys doing? Uh, we're good. We've been following this Arizona Coyotes on-ice story from afar for a little while, and then we really kind of started taking a closer look at it over the last couple of games. Um, can you just explain to our listeners what's gone on over these last six games, how crazy a ride it's been, and who's been leading the charge for the Coyotes as they have beaten the last six Stanley Cup champions in a row? Grant, there's only five wins in a row because Tampa Bay won two of those Stanley Cups, but how has this happened, Craig? I have no idea. I don't understand hockey anymore after this run. Fair. I know nothing. That's fair analysis. <laughs> Truthfully, the biggest reason, the, the, the guy that you have to look at most is Connor Ingram in goal. He is, I mean, he was really good over the second half of last season after getting his legs under him when they claimed him off waivers from Nashville. Um, I, I talked to some people, and including a guy you're familiar with, Kevin Woodley up there, mm-hmm. that he was ready for this opportunity at least to be, you know, an NHL regular goaltender, maybe not a starter, but it became pretty apparent to us early this season, even when the coaching staff was insisting on rotating these goaltenders, uh, him and Karel Melka, on a game-to-game basis. They did for 20 games, but it was apparent to just about everybody watching that Ingram had taken another step and was beyond Vimelka and they finally decided decided to start to ride him at the start of this streak. He's got two shutouts against Vegas. And, of course, in that last game that you guys were just playing highlights of a 6 nothing whipping of the Capitals, he's won all those games that you mentioned against the former Cup champs. So he's the biggest reason. The other thing I, I guess that I would point to, aside from the wonders that Andre Turnier continues to do here as coaches, they've really locked it down defensively. They were pretty ugly in the stretch right before this streak where they were just giving up odd man rushes, turning the puck over. There were all kinds of defensive breakdowns. Andre basically had a come-to-Jesus moment with the team, and since then, they've been playing pretty tight defensively as well. So I guess the question becomes if, uh, you know, I know you're saying that the team play has improved, but a lot of it's on the goalie. Is this sustainable? Like, are the Coyotes Coyotes a playoff team in your mind? I don't know yet. Like even GM Bill Armstrong said at the start of the season, this is not a playoff team yet. Uh, listen, their 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 power play has been very good all season, so that's a good sign. I don't know if that success is sustainable, but they brought in Blaine Forsythe, who, of course, oversaw the Capitals' incredible power play for all those years, albeit with different personnel. Um, they're scoring. They're, they they have balanced scoring on this team. Uh, it's not like this team is struggling to score goals either. So there are some good signs, but. What's really confounding about this whole thing is that they have three centers out of the lineup right now. Barrett Hayton is out of the lineup. Jack McBain is out of the lineup. And, of course, you know, he's, he's obviously a depth center, but uh, Travis Boyd's out of the lineup as well. So they don't have any depth at all up the middle, and yet they're on this kind of run. I don't know if it's sustainable. Certainly not like what they're doing right now, but the Western Conference is not all that good when you get past maybe the top five teams. So I think there's room for a team like the Coyotes to sneak in as a wild card. Uh, I guess where are the Coyotes right now? We always wonder, like, where are they in their process? Um, Like, I always always think of the Coyotes as, well, they're perennial sellers at the trade deadline, um, but you might be able to use them as third-party brokers. You throw a bad contract there. Are they in a different position now? 
Yeah, even at the start of the season, Bill Armstrong said that they were entering phase two of the rebuild. Now, that doesn't mean, yeah, we're ready to go for it yet. Like I said, he, he didn't even think this was a playoff team. Um, maybe they'll change his mind. But in terms of what they're trying to accomplish, this is still gross. Look, a lot of their top prospects are not here yet. Logan Cooley obviously is. He's still finding his way in the NHL. But they have a lot of guys in their system who they expect to be here over the next couple seasons. And then we'll really start to see them maybe make a push and, and take a big step forward. I just don't think, right, it, it, it almost feels like this is a transition phase right now, but it's interesting when you talk about the playoffs, I've asked Bill a couple times, you know, what his philosophy would be if they are indeed in a playoff spot, would you add? And I don't, I don't think he's going to be in the market for one of those high-end rentals. They just don't want to give up the assets that it would require. They're, they're still about trying to build sustainable success in their pipeline by you know, getting enough prospects coming through every year. But could they add, you know, uh, a smaller piece that could help them in some situations? I I think that could happen. Or they could add a piece like they did this summer when they added Sean Dursey, a guy who could grow with this team's core. So a guy that wouldn't just be here for one or two years, but a guy that could be a part of the core when they come out of the rebuild entirely. We're speaking to a Craig Morgan of PHNX Sports here on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Uh, tell me the truth, Craig. You, along with everyone else, correctly expected that Michael Carcone would lead the team in scoring this year, correct, with 12 goals through the 24-game mark? This is just something that everybody expected to happen. <laughs> yeah, I I don't know how to explain that one, guys. I don't know. <laughs> he's he, he's, he's here. He was a farmhand for the I don't. I don't know how this he, happened. He went and played in the Worlds, and he's like, I am the greatest player in the world. It's cra- he has 12 goals at the 24-game mark. Yeah, and, and speaking of things that probably aren't sustainable, that's one of them, but sure. I don't want to take anything away from what Michael Carcone has done thus far. He's, he scored goals, and he scored some big goals for this team this season. And that's what I was talking about when I said earlier that it's not like this team is relying on the Keller Schmaltz line alone. In fact... If you ask Andre Turigny, he'll tell you that their best line this season has been Nick Bugstad between Lawson Krauss and Matthias Michelli. So they have depth in scoring this year. They have depth in their forward group, and that was part of what they did this offseason when they went out and signed guys like Jason Zucker and Alex Kerfoot. They've got more depth in their forward group. So, I mean, I know we were talking about Carconi, but, I mean, it just speaks to the, the greater depth that they have up front. And, yeah, he's he's probably been the biggest surprise so far. Again, I don't think that's going to continue this season, but can he be a 20-goal scorer? Well, it, it sure seems like it now. How has Logan Cooley been? Still just 19 years old. Yeah, you know, early on, I think he was struggling to figure out NHL time and space more than anything. He's so used to doing whatever he wants to do with the puck. He did it at Minnesota, but it's a big leap from the NCAA to the NHL. He was making some costly turnovers. He was mismanaging the puck a lot in the neutral zone at the offensive blue line. And I know uh, it, it's a work in progress. And Andre Turney has been talking to him about it. There were times where he, he cut his ice time because he was making mistakes. Um, you know, they lost Barrett Hayden, I mentioned earlier. He got a chance to move between Schmaltz and Keller. And we all wondered, would that work? Because what Hayden does best is create space for Keller and Schmaltz to operate high in the zone. And that's not Logan Cooley's game, but... Over the last four games, he's actually been pretty good, um, really managing the details of the game better. He's still, I think, trying to find his way a little bit with Keller and Schmaltz, learn how to play with them. But at the same time, he's able to play with more pace, and obviously he's playing with skilled guys, so we'll see how it goes. I don't want to say Logan Cooley has been 
you know, disappointment. Uh, again, it's, it's, it's a process, and he's 19. He's been pretty good, and he's producing points, but I definitely think there's another level for him there. All right, Craig, let's talk about the arena. What's uh, what's what's the latest? We're, how many we're, questions did it take? Yeah, well, you know, yeah, normally it takes zero questions. Our first question, what's going Look on with you the arena? You guys just softened me up. Um, what is going on in the arena? Uh, you know, I, I, I'm sure you're not surprised to hear that, you know, the reaction from us when we heard the news that they might be zeroing in on a new, new location. It was like, well, we'll see how this one falls apart. I think that's fair. I think that's fair to, you know, I mean, maybe not fall apart, but see if they can actually close the deal, right? Look, I, every, everything that I have heard suggests that this is the Morello Group's last chance. Uh, after the Tempe vote failed miserably, they, they have to get this done. And I know they've been looking at a, a variety of sites. The one in Northwest Mesa was reported. That was actually a better location than this one. But, you know, listen, if they can find a location that's in the right side of town, Kudos to them. Again, it's, it's just going to be a matter of whether they can close the deal. We all know now that it's in Northeast Phoenix, sort of a budding Scottsdale. That's where a lot of the money of the Valley is. It's not an awful location. It's, it's a pretty good location. It's not optimal, but it's, it's, it's far better than Glendale. I'll say that. Mm-hmm. But again, it's just it's the devil's in the details. Can they close this deal? Can they make it happen? Can we see shovels go in the ground or given this franchise's history and the fact that they actually put shovels in the ground in Los Arcos and still didn't build the arena in Scottsdale, <laughs> can we see actual like steel going up and, and finally believe that this team is getting an arena solution and staying in the Valley? How much time do the Coyotes have to get this done? Because in a lot of the, a lot of these cases, you need public consultation. Uh, we saw uh, in the case in Tempe, you needed um, p- uh, political uh, approval of it all, and in some case, a, a mm-hmm. vote. Are they going to need all this? And is Gary Bettman and is the NHL going to give them the time to do all this? Well, it's you know you haven't heard the NHL set a specific deadline, but I think everybody understands that they better have something done by the end of this season. Really, Bettman has said the first quarter, which is the end of March. Well, the regular season ends two weeks after that, so if they have to push it out two more weeks fine, but I, I got to believe it has to come at, at some point. You've also heard talk that the NHL needs to know for scheduling, which is a really <laughs> ominous point to, uh, to stress with the Coyotes because, okay, you could just schedule games in Arizona, presuming that they're going to be here. If you, if you really need to know for the schedule, does that mean that they're looking at relocation? That's, that's a, a scary thought. So my sense is they got to have this locked down by the end of the regular season. And, and I think they're aware of that deadline as well. As far as the other details, they have said repeatedly that they they want to and plan to structure this deal so that it does not require another referendum after what happened in Tempe. We'll see if they can do that. And then the other challenge there, guys, is they're still going to need tax abatement. So can they avoid any legal challenges from various groups, whether it's citizen groups, watchdog groups, et cetera? There's a lot to be ironed out here. Um, they haven't released a lot of details, so I don't know how much of that maybe they've already ironed out. But obviously the clock is ticking now. The Arizona Coyotes will be looking for their sixth consecutive victory uh, Thursday night against Philadelphia. Another very surprising team, the Flyers and John Tortorella. Hey, uh, Craig, thanks for doing this today. We really appreciate it. Uh, enjoy this run. It's been fun. Anytime, guys. Thanks for having me as always. Yeah, thanks for coming on. We appreciate it. Craig Morgan from PHNX Sports here. On the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Yeah, so a couple of other games from last night in the NHL. Yes, the Canucks lost to the Devils. It was a crazy game. They lost 6-5. But it wasn't um, the only crazy game. No, the, the Los Angeles Kings had a big comeback 
Uh, they were down, what, 3 nothing in that game? Came back to win at 4-3? They scored three goals in the third period in mm-hmm. Columbus after trailing 3 nothing, uh, They went on a Drew Doughty winner in overtime, 4-3 for the Kings, their 10th straight road win. Uh, life without Jacob Markstrom is not off to a great start in Calgary. It was Dan Vladar who I think got the hook. He sure did. Uh, yesterday against the Minnesota Wild, who have now won four straight games. Yeah, they're a wagon under John <laughs> Hines. Under new coach John Hines. They uh, visit your Vancouver Canucks tomorrow. So the Wild, who got off to that awful start, fired the coach, brought in John Hines. And we were talking about how difficult it is, really, with all the dead cap space Minnesota has to put together a really good team. They were not a very good team early on, but they've played better under John Hines, so that's going to be a test for the Canucks on Thursday. Uh, we wonder about the lineup changes for the Canucks. Will it be Casey DeSmith in goal? Is Kuzmenko going to be in the lineup? Would the coach dare to scratch a guy like Tyler Myers? Um, the Buffalo Sabres lost again. They lost again at home, and they lost to the Detroit Red Wings. So remember how we came into this season we wondered of the three teams like the up-and-comers in the division the Atlantic division right yes Detroit Buffalo and Ottawa yep the Red Wings have been very successful the Ottawa Senators and the Buffalo Sabres have not the Red Wings are 14-7-3 the Red Wings have won six of their last seven and that win against Buffalo last night was their third straight Weren't so they, they're weren't trending they, upward. Patrick they, Kane hasn't even debuted yet, and they're trending upward. Weren't they the third most likely in your mind to be successful? Um, like I thought Ottawa had the best chance, and then probably Buffalo was, and then Detroit. I was concerned about the goaltending in all three. Right. Um, I guess Detroit has made out the best because goaltending is really undermined. I mean, the, the situation in Buffalo was they had that stupid three-headed monster mm-hmm. in that for too long. Yeah. They couldn't figure out what they wanted to do. And then in Ottawa, they sure put a lot of faith in Corpusallo um, without any sort of proof of concept that he was actually going to work there. And then Detroit, I mean, I didn't have a ton of faith in the Detroit goaltending situation either. But of the three, you can make the argument that they've had it almost simple. Like they've had the most stable goaltending and that's played a big role in this and that it hasn't undermined them. So I kind of, th- you know what? I didn't really power rank them at the beginning of the year. I kind of mm-hmm. thought all three were the same thing. Yeah, I'm surprised that um, Detroit has emerged so much more than the other. Like, there's a big gap right now between where Detroit's at and then where Buffalo and um, Ottawa Ottawa are at. Yeah. Um, so there was the Board of Governors meeting the second day in Seattle yesterday, and I guess we should talk about the 2026 Olympics. No, 2024. Olympics, right? I'm getting all confused. Uh, The Olympics in Italy, where we're hoping to see NHL. 2026. 2026, right. So they got to build a new arena in Milan, and apparently it hasn't even started. They haven't even started to build it. And people were wondering yesterday, because Gary Bettman was talking about how the arena, I guess it's possible that it's not ready Mm -hmm. in time for the Olympics, because I think it's being privately built. Yeah, it is. Right? So it's one of those things where we've seen this happen with Olympics um, all around the world. I remember when I got to Sochi, I was like, this place isn't finished yet. And it was like a mad dash to finish it. And I got there like a week before the Olympics were starting. And like there's people running around slapping 
coats of paint on stuff and like the landscaping wasn't finished and it was just like a just incessant hammering and in the background yeah, 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 it honestly was right? screwing in light and I think at the end of the day like there were some that you'd still go into the facilities and be like this is okay but like it's you could see that you know this the drywalling isn't finished over here. And do you remember Greece? Yeah, that's the Olympics in a nutshell. It's not. It's but that, I wonder if it's especially in places like like Europe where there are often like so, oh, seriously. Well, sometimes <laughs> the people are just like, hey, we know there's time pressure on you guys, so we're almost going to slow play it because then you know it's going to cost you more to get this finished. And yeah, no, 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 I know, pressure, I know. right? Like, I, like sometimes they use it to to their advantage. It, it was, but but hold on, it, it was the same thing for the World Cup in Qatar. Right, they were literally coming up with a comedy. It's very difficult to host one of these, you know, massive global events. And part and parcel with it is finishing right. You know, if you give us right up until the deadline, we're going to take all that time. It's like the Canucks doing their business, but it's I. So I understand um, the dynamic at play here. Mm-hmm. My take on this was entirely different. It's that Gary Bettman, if you've noticed over time, always has a a, a creeping concern. With Olympic participation, it's is he a, always looking for an out? It's always something. He's looking for an out, right? Last time it was COVID. He's pretty spot on with that one, um, but <laughs> he was very accurate in his assessment there. But there's always something mm-hmm. because this time people were looking at the sort of traditional checklists of things that Gary Bettman has a problem with, right? So it's like accommodation for the players and their families. There's always been like the risk in the, you know, do you get the players insured? There's always the content share. There's always something. But he was confident in those. But he was, he right. was, he, he was brought a like, new thing to the table. Right. And this was. But that, isn't that, I mean, that's, is that fair for him to bring it up? If if they're expecting to have this thing built I'm just trying only to give a it few months context, before the Olympics started, and they, you know, they're already behind on this. I think he's absolutely right that if the players go to the Olympics, like they want to be part of the Olympic experience. And if they're forced to move this event to another city, like I've heard people like, well, they could play it in Switzerland. I'm like, yeah, but the Olympics is in Italy. Yeah. Well, right. That, you know, that's, that's a different experience then. I'm not saying that his concerns aren't valid. Mm-hmm. I'm saying that I thought it was interesting that he just brought that up. Well, maybe he's trying to put pressure on the organizing committee, right? Well, I, I I think that's fine, look, right? You like Gary seriously, like, like like how much how much are those NHL players worth to a Winter Olympics? I think it's a lot. Yeah, you know, maybe not as much as in North America because when you go over to Europe, it's a lot of the 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 Nordic events are more popular than they are in North America. But to have the best hockey players in the world coming to the Olympics is a big thing, right? It gets a lot of attention. The broadcasters, especially the North American broadcasters, really want that. So when Gary Bettman brings that up and all of a sudden we're talking about it, I'm sure the Olympic Committee, the organizers in Milan are like, oh, maybe we should get on this, right? Like Because if we don't have this arena built, we're going to look really bad if that's the reason the NHL players don't go. Someone just texted in, it was hilarious that Bettman was criticizing Milan for having not having a, stadi- a stadium yet. It's an arena, not a stadium. Him for the 2026 Olympics. He is not self-aware. My friend, Gary Bettman is incredibly self-aware. He knows exactly what he's doing here. Now, I'm not saying, again, he's not unjust in his concerns, and he's right in a lot of ways. I mean, it's very logical. He said, if this thing's going to be pushed up to being completed six weeks before the Olympics, we won't have time to do all the testing and the run-throughs that we want to do to make sure that our beloved players are going on a proper 
playing surface and that the environment is conducive to proper playing surface. Yeah, this will all be part of it. Is the ice? We don't know how to make ice in other Italian cities. Or or they rushed it, right? The ice didn't have time to set or something. But the point being, (laughs) Bettman knows exactly what he's doing here. Right, you've got to. He doesn't want to be all in on anything. He wants to make sure that he's got flexibility and options, and this mm-hmm. is one of them. And it's a viable concern, right? He's a smart guy. One thing Gary Bettman's a lot of things. One thing he is not is stupid. He knows exactly what he's doing, yeah. and I think that's what's happening here. Mm. What you Your think, Gary Bettman? I'm just, I'm just smart. Joe, I'm making a Bettman joke. Okay, uh, do we all not boo Bettman every time he appears? It's true. Yeah, and call but- him stupid. <laughs> You're stupid. stupid. <laughs> stupid head. Um, okay. By the way, uh, I wanted I wanted to get into this exercise earlier. We got a couple minutes, so we can throw it out there because it's good fodder for the Dunbar Lumber text message in basket. When we were talking about Kuzmenko and Myers, we went down the road of trading your problem for my problem. That's a tried and true NHL general manager thing. One of my right? favorite trades. Pierre-Luc Dubois and Patrick Laine. Hey, you got a problem. I got a problem. Do you want to flip those problems and see what happens? Right? That though, That's a classic problem for problems. The old right? change of scenery. And, and Winnipeg is like, Dubois is still a problem. Yeah. Columbus is like, Laine is still a problem. Does the change of scenery still work when you're, the scenery you're changing them to is Winnipeg? <laughs> Somehow I went to a grosser scenery. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. It got worse. So. <laughs> grass is always greener. I was Here, like when Jeff Carter got traded to Columbus and went into like a year-long depression. Yeah. <laughs> He's just like, nope, not having it. <laughs> Swear to God, I'm gonna that cannon one more time. Yeah. So um, I'll we we discussed this heartily at the break, and it's funny because it is the quintessential your problem for my problem trade. Tyler Myers for Tyson Berry because Tyson Berry mm-mm, mm-mm, is on. Mm-mm. Just let me finish. Do it. Okay. Do it. Tyson Berry is on the outs in Nashville. If you missed this yesterday, God, I wish we were in a different market. Sometimes. The local radio station, it's like 102.7, the game or something like that in uh, in Nashville. They just called up Barry Trotz. And Barry Trotz was like, hey, what's up? And it was brought to you by some local liquor store. And Like it wasn't even set up. He was just like, hello. Hello. <laughs> Barry here. <laughs> oh, hi, hi. Barry and speaking. He, he, just, he just unloaded on Tyson Barry. Tyson Barry's been a healthy scratch in Nashville the last little bit. And... Right after the first first healthy scratch, like shortly thereafter, it came out that he was seeking a trade. Mm -hmm. And Barry Trotz was like, don't like that. He said there's only four people in the world that knew about the trade request. And he said, I want to make it clear that we did not put this out on behalf of the National Predators. He then went on to say that he's extremely disappointed in how Tyson Barry handled the healthy scratch. He then went on to say, I signed you and brought you to Nashville to play, not to retire. So he just like he just went off. It was a I mean, I wish the audio that I got yesterday was better, but 102.7 the game had phone problems or something. It's 102.5. I Whatever it is. It sounded like the crap. Game. But what he said maybe, was maybe it's because you had it tuned into 102.7. It was on YouTube. I'm a car <laughs> off by just a little bit. It was a little staticky. So he was awful. They were playing music yeah. the entire time. There was a weird din in the background. Anyway. Why is Chuck Mangione playing in the background? So, Andy, Jason, the great divide here, Jason Bruff was staunchly opposed. As soon as I brought it up, you were like, no, 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 we shouldn't even entertain this. Meanwhile, A-Dog was like, yes. Do it. Yes, yes. Do it. Give no, because your- I think they can they can have a better solution no, than no, just no, no. Than trading Tyler Myers for Tyson Berry, who would not fit in Vancouver at all because Tyson Berry, his expertise is running a power What's play. What's the better solution? 
the better solution is doing things separately. Like it's not going to be a Tyler, like you're not going to, you're not going to solve it all in one Tyler Myers trade. It's going to be like you trade Beauvillier and then you do, and then you bring in Zadorov. I think what they're going to have to do if they want to deal with it. But my right? problem is for get your re- problem is get tra- te- tested formula yeah, for simpletons, right? And then you, hey. you trade. You got to trade Tyler Myers, clear the cap space, even if you have to throw in a little bit of a sweetener, which you really shouldn't have to do. You don't have, shouldn't have to give in a massive sweetener for a guy that's whose salary has mostly been paid. You just trade him and listen. It might be a problem because he's got a ten team no trade list, so it might be a little complicated. But I think you clear the cap space first, like you did with Beauvillier, and then you go shopping with the cap space. Hey, Doug. I'd be fine with that. A part of me, I'm almost like arguing with myself now because part of me was like, shouldn't they just write it out? It's the final year. Just let his contract expire. Let's not panic. Just let it I expire. I think the Tyler Myers cap hit is an opportunity for the Canucks to improve their team. Could be. I don't, could yeah. Be. Who would take the? Who would take them though? A team that uh, a team that doesn't have yeah. cap. A team issues. that doesn't watch other hockey teams. <laughs> a team that hockey. a team that's really out pre scouting. You're, you're gonna have to throw in a, a sweetener, probably. Is that worth it though to get rid of Myers? Yes, if you can get something with the cap space, absolutely. Yeah, I guess. I guess if they feel absolutely. that there's a deal there, then fair enough. You need yeah. to you need to relitigate it. As Part of not, me is just so nervous about yeah. doing that though, because of the final year contracts. Like what happened with obviously the OEL. Well, thing. I hope they I'm don't trade like, him for another OEL. Yeah, that's what. That's why I'm scared though. That's like yeah, I, get, yeah. I get the PTSD from that. Like, oh God, it's happening again. Yeah, or so God like, forbid, know. a Tyson Berry. But well, the, the, the Zadorov trade has that potential. They got to make sure that he's right for this team. Yeah, they might not. Like uh, this, this whole notion that Zadorov comes in as like this legit top four guy. He's never been that. No, you saw it last night. Zadorov, Zadorov has Myers qualities to him. Absolutely, like he he's gets, chaotic. Yes, he yeah, is. he's still got the new car. At least smell. he hits people though. Like he's physical. Oh, yeah, he's got the new car smell though. Because I'm like, ah, is he? His glaring errors—they're kind of interesting. Like, I'd still I, take watching. him. I'd still yeah. take Zadorov over Myers because he uses his physicality. So, like, he's got that upside. But yeah, he's definitely whew, sometimes right. in the back end. We're going to talk a little baseball coming up next with Shai Davidi. We're going to figure out what's going on with this uh, Shohei Otani situation. I guess Shai had a sit down with uh, Ross Atkins. Yeah. So him and Hazel May—they're in Nashville for the MLB winter meetings, which aren't even the MLB winter meetings anymore. It's just the Shohei Otani sweepstakes. That's all anybody <laughs> cares about. This is hilarious. We'll talk about the Dave Roberts thing with the Dodgers and where all it goes. It is a crazy time in baseball. Shai Davidi is going to join us uh, from Nashville MLB winter meetings. That's coming up next on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650.